four, 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 four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pop Thunder with your boy, the young light skin key sweat. And to my left, my guy, Jordan Monk. My guy, we played high school football together at St. Ray's, two years older than me. My guy also plays track and football at NC State. And um, I'm very intrigued. I'm glad you came through, man. You're one of my, uh, weirdly enough, I was just talking about it for our mutual friend, El Ray, EG Pod alum, that I'm like super excited to have you on. I'm on I don't know why it's intrigued me the most because, um, you know, coming into Saints is when we met, obviously, playing football camp, stuff like that. And then, um, you and like SD, I told SD the same thing when he came on that you guys were kind of like the first, like, I've always obviously been around people who are good at sports and stuff like that. But you and SD were just like on a different level when I first like seen you guys at Saints. And um, one thing I always noticed about you too was like your character where like, you know, playing like especially in Kentucky and Providence leagues, always like trash talking and stuff like that. And you were never the guy to be like trash talking. Where, like, where do you think that is? Like you would suspect someone, someone from the like, inner city to always be kind of like, like Nile, like, <laughs> like always like, you know, yeah. in your face and just yeah. trash talk. And even our you know, mutual friend, Gene, where our, our, our teammate as saints, you know, they would get into it. They start getting into it, start clapping in people's faces. And obviously they're good as well, but you know, you just never had that in you. So like, why, why do you like, where do you attribute that to where you kind of just like played it more like the, you know, keep it to yourself and just let the play do the talking. I mean, I've always been a humble guy, man. Um, I just let my play do the talking. Um, I mean, I've played against all t- different types of players. I got, like you said, guys in your face doing all that screaming and yelling, guys getting hyped up. That really was never me. It was just a matter of if you could shut me down or not. So that, that's pretty much what my game was all about. So, I mean, I, I've played against, all, like I said, all different types. Guys would say, man, you ain't going to do nothing today. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, if you, if you think that's going to happen, <laughs> we'll see. And then, and then long story short, me and SD, I mean, we, we, you could saw it. I mean, every single year we played in high school, we lit it up. So yeah, man. Um, both Stanley and I were both pretty, both of us were pretty quiet guys. Um, we let, yeah. we let all of our other teammates do the talking <laughs> and, and then we just did the playing. Yeah, man. You let like, you know, rap do the talking, mm-hmm. but you let, uh, Niall and Gene. So like when you have someone like, uh, you know, we you know them, Niall or Gene and they're doing the talking in your face, stuff like that. Is that, is that affecting you at all? Like, is that, are you like nervous out of your head? What's that mindset in like an elite D1 athlete's mind when you're doing, at least you, at least? Nah, man, I've always been calm, man. I mean, you can scream, yell, do whatever, jump around. That does absolutely nothing for me. I mean, I know I, no matter what I do, I know how to get my mind right for myself. So, I mean, it was never really an issue. So, um, yeah. So getting your mind right. So you know, you're a calm dude. How are you getting hyped by like keeping that inside you? So what's like your, you know, pregame ritual to get into that mindset? Mainly just listen to music, man. So, I mean, I listen to all different types of music. I just, before the games, man, I would have my pregame meal, eat something. And then, obviously, two hours before kickoff, I mean, I just throw some music on. And then that music's on pretty much till kickoff. So, what do you, what do you got on there? Meet some Meek Mill? Nah, man, it's funny. Uh, Meek Mill. Uh, back in high school, obviously, um, who was we listening to back in high school? Like 50. Yeah, we was listening to 50. 50 we was listening to uh, Snoop. Wayne. Dre. Oh, Wayne. I see you tweet this other day. The Drought 3. He's the like, Drought the Drought 3 is playing yeah. in your car. Listen, everybody that knew me back in high school knew uh, <laughs> that Drought 3 was playing nonstop. Um, yeah, so I listened to Drought 3. Man, it's funny. I actually listened to some R&B before games. Um, man, I, you name it. Mary J. Blige, <laughs> Michael Jackson, all that. I used to have it all in my, my playlist. Were you I ever getting clown? Because I would play R&B too and people be like, how the hell are you getting hyped up playing R&B? And like, I don't help me get in the zone. Yeah, this helps, it helps melody your mood out. Like, Because I know if I'm listening to um, Down For My Niggas for uh, Snoop Dogg, I'm, I'm going to get a little too hyped. <laughs> 
and, and so I need something that's going to keep me nice and chill, calm before before kickoff. So um, that's how I've always been. I've always been a calm, no matter what sport I'm doing, no matter what game I'm playing. Like, I've never been a rah-rah type of guy. It's just chill, relax. I mean, that's kind of how I work today. It's like nothing really rattles me. Do you think that can be like a detriment sometimes where, like, you're not getting fully in the mood? No, nah, not at zone? all. It's funny because uh, it's no matter what, every coach I've had, they'd be like, yo, Monk, man, you got to hype it up a little <laughs> bit, man. Like, you're way too calm for me. And I'm like, this is this who I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. you just gotta, just gotta deal with it. I mean, I'm gonna perform, so I don't know what the issue is. So, yeah, yeah. No, so, but sometimes I feel like, especially on the football field, um, we can get into this a little bit later on in the podcast. But you coach my brother Brandon, and he yeah. is very similar to you, as you know, mm-hmm. very calm on the field. He's not showing his emotions. But I feel like sometimes that could, if you're in a competition with someone, like Brandon was in a competition in junior year with James. Obviously, you know James. Yep. And I feel like. James, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the word like uh, antics on the field. I feel like sometimes would help James out. Where like if he makes a play, he's doing the yep, yep. lockdown. It's like it seems sometimes. I don't know. You were coaching, you know, so you talk to this. Does that sometimes stand out a little bit more when the Jameses of the world are doing the lockdown, even though they're not doing nothing? It was an overthrow, but James is like not nah, lockdown. And if Brandon was that was Brandon. He's gonna be like mm, walks back to the huddle. Do you think sometimes that can like it can be a detriment to someone like that? And uh, you know, kind of the same, uh, you know, you get that same skill yeah, set, yeah. same size. So someone like you, like you're clearly gonna be better than someone like a Brandon or a James. So you don't have to worry about that competition. But someone, you know, a very similar playing field. If James is doing those antics, is that helping you know James outside of Brandon? No, not necessarily. I mean, if if that helps him get him hyped up, helps him help us helps his confidence, it's fine. And some other players, like you see, like they'll make they'll get a score a touchdown, they'll get an interception, score a basket, whatever, and they'll just go right back to the huddle and they're fine. I mean, um, but like I like the prime example is like a lot of these um, big time athletes when they're doing all these antics, just the, the flipping, the dancing, that's where the cameras on. The cameras yeah. are going to be on those guys opposed to the guys that's like a prime example is the, the athlete everybody hates the most is Kawhi Leonard is because he scores a point. He'll dunk, he'll <laughs> dunk on somebody and just literally just <laughs> hand the ball to the ref and walk away. So no, the cameras aren't really on him. I mean, this on him because he scores so many points a game. But like if he was just an average player and he did the same thing, you would never hear about that player. But you could use you, you could you could hear about. Uh, the one I can't always forget his freaking name. The guy that plays on the Golden State, who's Draymond. Draymond, Draymond exactly. Yeah. So Draymond, I mean, he'll score like maybe five points a game, but that one little basket he dunks, he's doing cartwheels and flipping and yelling around the floor. So obviously the camera's gonna be on him. So yeah, so that kind of like my point then, where kind of where Draymond's getting a lot of the attention that can lead to playing time. That can lead to even nowadays with social media, it can lead to offers mm-hmm. solely based on that one antic after. Then so I want like Kawhi. He's not going to get the offer just because he's laid back and chill. No, you're going to get the offers based upon your performance. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the coaches care about. Um, so and, that comes more down the line, like when you're a pro, when not, not sponsorships e- and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, you see it now within um, – uh, it's not really there yet in high school, but you're starting to see it at the college level. The, the guys that are like that, the, like the make, making the most antics, that are doing all that good stuff, um, those are the ones that get a person gets sponsorship. Like a prime example is that one girl. Obviously, she's a phenomenal player, the girl from LSU. But she does a lot on the court, which is uh, coming to more sponsors. I think they just said she's the highest sponsored athlete in college uh, sports right now. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's making millions of dollars because mainly because of the antics. Um, but I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, um, your playing time is going to be dictated about on your performance, and then your offer is going to be dictated upon your performance. Because I mean, you're seeing it now. There's a lot of high school kids now from Rhode Island that are getting these offers mainly because it's not because of their antics. Is what they do is because. 
Rhode Island guys have always could have always been playing at a high level. They've always been very good. The biggest problem that we've been seeing is how do we market these kids and get these kids out to compete against other players? And these kids now are having this opportunity to go to these different camps, competing against some of these top name players. And then you're ultimately what you're seeing is multiple offers coming from a lot of these Rhode Island guys that I'm, I'm finally happy is finally coming. Yeah, man. So you're speaking on that trends a little bit. So um, do you think, I'll ask Renz this in the podcast as well. Do you think if you were in this era of Island football, you would have got a lot more different offers, better offer opportunities for yourself? More than likely. Um, I mean, it wouldn't just be me. It'd be me and a whole lot of other guys. So pretty much all the best players from our era, would pr- pr- I'm pretty sure our game would translate to this game, to this era as well. Um, the biggest issue that we had, I mean, kind of previously what I just said is we did, we couldn't really compete against a lot of these other big name players that these kids are doing. These kids are going to a lot of different camps. One of the main reasons I got my NC State offer is because I competed very at a high level at a Nike camp going into my senior year. It was the one was literally my one shot to compete against um, all the other top name players, and I perform at a pretty high level, and that ultimately got my their, that piqued the interest. Uh, and they ended up having me go to NC State. So, yeah, yeah, I remember that picture just the the white top. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. It was like your Facebook picture for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So how did you get into that? Like, did someone reach? Like, you know, monk, you have to go to this, and like, was that even on your radar at that moment of time when you were in the recruiting process? Uh, a little bit. So a coach actually reached out to me um, at, at the BC camp because I used to go to BC camp every, every year, and then Stanley and I. It's funny because that's actually where I met Stanley. Um, uh, our freshman year. And that's when we had both uh, found out we were both going to Saints together. But uh, a coach actually told me about it. He was like, when you get a little older, um, take a look at uh, uh, one of these Nike camps because you go to the combine. If you perform well at the combine, you get an invite to the uh, to the camp. I don't know if they're still doing it, but um, that's ultimately what happened. I, 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 I went to the combine. I, test, I tested really well. And then I went to the camp and at Penn State, and uh, most of the top name players from our from that generation were all at the camp. And then I performed at a very high level. Um, I, I was competing against four star and three star wide receivers, and I was holding my own. And then I also lined up a receiver as well. So coaches got to see me play both ways, and it piqued a lot of interest from a lot of uh, universities that uh, were try- just trying to find out my background, like how come they never heard of me, all this other stuff. And obviously, I'm like, I play in Rhode Island. They're like, oh, that's why. That's, that's probably why. <laughs> that's yeah. why. Yep. Who, do you have any uh, any uh, top name stars you can remember that you played against? At that camp? Um, so EJ Manuel was uh he was like one of the headliners. Uh, Mike Glennon, who was one of my teammates at, uh, at NC State. Um, oh God, I can't really remember the receivers, but there was a lot. There was a lot. It was a lot of big names. Um, that it was like the signature camp. So because it was like three big ones. So there was the obviously the one they they used to do every 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 year at UCLA. Um, there was one down in Texas, Georgia, and then sorry, the last one was Penn State because Penn State was pretty much all the best best kids from like New England area, basically DC all the way up from DC that like that DC Pennsylvania all the way up uh, up to Maine was mainly the top uh, prospects from that area. Do you remember like one moment in that camp and you're like, oh, they're gonna notice me? Yeah, actually, so. Um, I was uh, going one on one with a kid. Um, I was because uh, they were having us alternate, and they were, and one of the coaches was like, "Yo, Monk, come up and press." I was like, "All right, fine, whatever." Because I, I wasn't really a cornerback uh, back in high school because I played safety. I was like, "All right," I was like, "I was like, I, I have a good feeling because I, I, I could get a gauge from." Him. I was like, "He was he wasn't a tall guy." I was like, "He's definitely gonna try to run a go around on me." And uh, I was like, "I was like, I don't think this guy's faster than me." So the, so he he actually just did an outside release, and uh, my um, I was looking back. 
So I jumped up and I palmed it one hand with my with the opposite hand, my left hand, and then there was a lot of oohs and ahs in there, and that, that kind of like kind of piqued the interest. And then coaches were coming up, writing down all my measurements and all that other stuff. Yeah. So at that exact moment, they're like, "This is the guy." Yeah, like, 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 yeah, he can play. He's uh, he can definitely compete at this level. That's fire, bro. So when so what you're doing that, so you know, that was your upbringing to getting you know that uh, shine from you know getting rec- college offers, stuff like that. So what would it be your, you know, I know you coached at Hendy for a little bit. Yep. So what are you telling this up and coming talent from Rhode Island? Like what's your advice to anybody listening right now? We do have a, you know, a good amount of yep. following, especially the breakthrough podcast. So any kids tuning in right now, what's your you know, recommendation you know, from freshman year forward? What would you say to any high school kids? I mean, you guys, a lot of you guys, the young guys now that are uh, getting coached up uh, by a lot of good coaches. Um, most of the coaches now uh, in the in the state of Rhode Island, all not all, but a good portion of these guys, if they're not the head coach, a couple of the guys on the staff played at the college level, or there's Division Three up to Division One. Um, a lot of the is- issues that we had coming up was we weren't really being taught the techniques, like the actual techniques, because that was like a big difference you saw when a lot of us went to college, like we were, we could compete with the guys athletically. I mean, we all, but what we were missing was the footwork. And that's one of the things Stanley and I have been really preaching is learn the basics because you guys have the talent, learn the basics and you guys are doing it now. I mean, I see it is um, get out there and compete um, because that's ultimately going to come to your offers. That's going to dictate how your process is going to go because uh, I mean, you can dominate the state of Rhode Island. I mean, that's not going to get offers for you. I mean, you may get some interest from the local universities, but if you want to market yourself on a on a larger scale, get out get out to these seven on sevens, um, get, get your film out, send it out to folks. I mean, you guys have a tremendous amount of resources on social media to get your name out there. So, do you think it's, that's more important opposed to going to the you know the debate of you have to go to Hendrick and LaSalle versus a public school in Rhode Island to be seen? So, you do think first of all, do you think that's true? The public no, not at all. Um, I mean, you're seeing a little more. Um, from those schools, because I, I mean, I've had this discussion a million times. Um, when we were coming up in high school, um, you might have only had um, a couple kids from Providence. Like you, you like. Okay, I'll, let me let me rephrase that. You would see the best kids um, from their cities when we were coming up. They would stay in their state in their city. So like, East Providence High School was good. Cranston West was good. Barrington was good. Um, North Kingston was good. South Portsmouth. Kingston was good. Portsmouth. You name it. All the best kids used to go to those schools uh, and to stay there. Now you're seeing a lot of those kids are all flocking to two schools, obviously, which has led to multiple championships just for those two divisions. I mean, those two schools. But I mean, if you look back from back to our generation, Hendrickson and LaSalle, they might have won a state title once every it's crazy. 10 years or once every eight years because East Providence was winning. St. Ray's, I don't think they've won a Division One title since we've left high school. No, they haven't. They, 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 they just, just won, won the Division Two. Yep. But, um, you haven't seen a public school win a Division One championship since we've left out of high school. I think the closest school that got there was Cranston East uh, back when um, Quiddy was a sophomore, Lee Moses, and the number of seniors. That was probably the closest team I saw um, that probably got close to winning a Division One championship. Brandon's NK year. Well, I guess Portsmouth wasn't the championship game. Yeah. It's just because how they did the thing, but NK was really good that year. That, I, yep, they were good. That yeah, year. so it's probably yeah. them too. Just yeah. them too, but still, that's an anomaly opposed to back when we were back in high school. Because yeah, because you said EP was really good. I mean, East was good, West was good. It's so, kind of you said. So you think it's more the seven on sevens and heading these camps, not stop. You kind of have to be like touring nowadays. In the yeah, you really, you really do because um, I mean, there's I, I say this, there's just thousands of kids and. On a Division One university, there's only 70 scholarships, 75 scholarships. I mean, so 
I mean, they're going through, because I remember I worked in our recruiting office as one of my internships when I was at NC State. And my DB coach showed me how many uh, films he used to get on a daily basis. He would have to, he would sift through hundreds and he would only look at the first 10 seconds. The first 10 seconds, if he cap, if it's something he was interested in, he would continue watching, but he would, he would literally throw it in his little cassette player. He'd play it for 10 seconds and he would just throw the tape away. And That's he would just, great. he would do it because it was just so many kids to go from. And now these, because now they have like these full recruiting staffs go, sending uh, coaches out to check out these seven on sevens. And I mean, you see it. I mean, look, look at all these guys from Rhode Island, what Division One offers. I mean, um, one guy I was, I, was I, I knew who was going to be very good. Um, he was actually one of, uh, at Will Blackman's camps when we were when he was young was uh, Justin Denson and one of his teammates that played at LaSalle with them. Those two were head and shoulders above. They were better than everybody. You so. But Rizal, Rizal, yep. yep. So you could you could see it. Um, I mean, you could see it like who, who's going to be like a top name player. But those two guys, man, they really stood out. Um, and then I saw he got a, I, I saw him post on social media that he picked up an offer. And then and then people were hitting me up like, yo, you see this? He he pulled an offer. I was like, I was like, I'm not really shocked because he's got the measurables. He's got the talent. I mean, it it makes sense. I mean, and you're seeing other guys from. I think there was a couple of guys. Um, at uh, Mount Pleasant, to have some Division One offers as well. Yeah, and that kid of uh, Nation too. Yep, and Nation. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, look who was. I mean, his father was a phenomenal football player. I mean, his father was going to coach him up, right? So I'm not. I'm not really shocked about him uh, playing, uh, being a Division One prospect. But you're seeing it now. You don't. You don't need to go through those major schools to to pull a Division One offer. It's a matter of if you have the ability and if you can compete against. And that's all the coaches want to see. They want to see if you can compete. Um, against those other players. Well, you're saying that, and again, not talking out of pocket because we had a whole conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. about this on the podcast. My guy Angel, he had the talent though. So what, besides talent, I know what else you, do you need? These kids need to know. Like Angel said, he kind of regrets it going forward from his freshman sophomore year. So you know those regrets. But like, what's your advice? Someone if they have the talent, they need to be have that work ethic in the you, you got the you classroom gotta, as well. Yeah, you got to take care of it in the classroom. I don't, don't want to beat around the bush. Um, just, just take care of your schoolwork, man. And half, half the battle, man, is just, I mean, a lot of you young guys, man, you just don't want to do your homework. I mean, do your homework. If you do your homework, I mean, that alone is going to take care of the rest of itself. I mean, if you're having issues, go talk to your teachers. I mean, I appreciate the Angel. I appreciate the Quiddy. I appreciate the Lee. I, pre I appreciate the pretty much all the guys I've coached, man. Take care because all you guys have the ability to play at the next level. But if, if, you, if the grades don't match up your ability... You're, you're going to have to go into junior college. You have to, it's going to be a, a lot harder route. Nothing, not that the junior college, there's nothing wrong with it, but you're making it a lot harder yourself to, to be able to play at the next level. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Um, did you ever run into those issues? I, I don't know about that at all for you. No, nah, no, nah, man, because um, my, my grandmother, my grandmother, my parents, they have always preached education to me. Um, and then uh, college coaches were on me early, so they used to tell me all the time, like, listen, if you don't – if we know you can play, but if you ain't got the grades, we can't get you in. So I made sure that it, it was never going to be an issue for me. So I, I mean, every literally every single every single class that I took, I was seeking extra help. Did you know that like going into like your freshman year, you're like I I plan on playing in college, so I'm getting my yeah. grades right from the beginning. Yeah, I pretty much always knew I wanted to play uh, Division One football. I mean, not Division I just I always knew knew I wanted to play college football, and um, and I knew like because how the click I don't know how it is now, but with the clearinghouses, you need to have a certain GPA with your SAT scores. So. I knew I wasn't, I don't really test well. So I knew like, okay, if I'm not going to test well, what, what can I do? I'm going to make sure my GPA is as high yeah. as possible. So I don't have to worry about come SAT time, 
<laughs> shit, man. And with AI nowadays, these kids be getting A pluses everywhere, bro. I be using don't, AI like they, crazy. Don't get caught. <laughs> don't get caught. Yeah. So um, yeah. don't get caught. We don't get worry about getting caught. We're all rage. Make sure you to, tap into Tito's. We're gonna take a a shot for our sponsor right here, baby. Yeah, let's take. Been a minute since I've seen you. So uh, while I'm pouring this up, so you're talking about the kids like Justin and Zell and um, you know like. Nation, do you have like any type of like ill will on your body? Like, damn, these kids are getting offers, and you know, NC State is a great school, but you're, you're like, damn, Nation's getting LSU, he's getting Florida, he's getting all this stuff. You're like, damn, that could have been me. Or nah, you know what? Nah, man, I'm I, proud of these guys. Nah, I'm proud of these oh, guys. Oh shit, I'm an idiot. No, no, you good, you good. Um, I'm proud of these guys, man. Um, it's not about if what I would have had, what I could have had. I mean, I, I made the most of what I what I could have got, and um, I, it's it's great to see these guys taking it to a next another level. Um, I mean, because some of these guys you're going to see now, they're going to be household names at the college level, and hopefully, if they if they can if they want to pursue a professional level, you're you're going to see it. Um, and then obviously, it's up to them to lead the next generation. So obviously, their performance is going to dictate the the generation after them. And um, I mean, I said it. I mean, it's going to be now. It's going to be a regular thing to see Rhode Island athletes playing at a house playing at at the national level because we've been doing it in baseball. I think baseball and maybe baseball and hockey have been like the two sports. For sure, we, yeah. we've been doing it, but now you're seeing it in multiple sports. You're seeing it in basketball. You're seeing it in football. Um, you're seeing it in softball. I mean, the athletes are here. It was just a matter of getting the recruiters up here to actually look at our prospects, and it's. I think we're here. So um, shout out to you guys, man, for for making a name for yourself. Yeah, man, it's, it's huge. Where do you think? Um, let's, take, let's take a shot real real quick. Twenty minutes in. Yep. Time flies. Where do you think that transition happened? Would you attribute it to Quiddy? Uh, I even quit it, uh, attribute it before Quiddy. Um, a lot of these coaches now, um, I mean, you're seeing it. Um, Liam is a is a offensive coordinator at uh, Kentucky. The defensive defensive coordinator is that he's, he went to Hendrickson as well. A lot of the guys that are coach, a lot of my um, one of my t- one of my teammates in college, he's the uh, linebacker coach in um, South Carolina, and then my DB coach is the is the coach is the has been the DB coach at Clemson for the last I don't know 12, 13 years. Um, I think it all started with uh, Lee Lee's class, that class of two thousand. God, um, might have been the class of two thousand fourteen around there. It, yeah, it was we went to uh, his senior game and Branch going into high school. Yeah, two thousand fifteen then. Yeah, so probably two thousand fourteen. There was a lot of good high school seniors. Uh, Matt Sewell, a lot of those guys were. That, that class was special. Um, a lot of good athletes. Um, um, I still think that was probably one of the best high school teams I've seen in Rhode Island. In quite some time, they might have been one of the all-time greats. Mm, uh, I hear that class. I hear the Quiddy class. Yeah, so Quiddy was a sophomore that year, and then Lee and them were seniors. That team was so stacked, man. They had so many players um, that 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 ended up playing college, not just football, but other sports. We had um, a couple guys that played Division One baseball. I think we had maybe three or four guys that played, and then we had some other guys play some other sports. But um, going back to your original question, um, I think those guys going well. I mean, go to those schools doing well, and then obviously Quiddy and those guys, they followed up right after. And what you're seeing is a lot of these coaches now are saying like, hmm, like, okay, I got a guy from Rhode Island. I kind of overlooked him. He's going to be playing on Sundays. He was an all-conference player. Maybe there's something there. It was funny because um, 
I remember, so Quiddy was a, uh, he was either a sophomore or a junior. So I went down to NC State and um, I was talking to the recruiting staff and I was like, uh, I think you guys should take a look at this kid. Um, he's, he's pretty good. Um, I, I think he's going to, he's going to get a couple of division one offers. And they're like, eh, they're like, he's, they're, they're like he's, he's like, he's from around, like he's playing in a small pool. And uh, I was like, I'm telling you guys, he's, he's, he's going to be special. And I told him the same thing for Lee. Lee had a couple of big time offers, but he ended up going UMass. Um, and then the last one, obviously, was Trust. I tried to get them to recruit on Trust, but they were a little too late to the party. Jeez, so. they still listen to you. They don't learn their lesson. They're listening <laughs> now. So, like, it's funny because, like, every time I go back to visit now, uh, anytime I pop in the office, they're always like, hey, Monk, you, you, any, any players up there that you think we should, we should be taking a look Not at? Not anymore. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, they're looking now. I mean, they're, they're obviously looking in, in this region now. But, I mean, I keep telling them, you can't be coming late to the party. Obviously, a kid's not going to go to uh, NC State when uh, Georgia and Alabama come knocking. So, um, can't fault to him. So, I mean, like I said, shout out to Quiddy, shout out to Lee, shout out to all those guys from that generation that have really elevated the game, man. Because um, they really stepped it up at the college level. I mean, they went up there, they competed. Obviously, I mean, you're kind of overlooked because you're a guy from Rhode Island, even though you're a very good player. But they worked at it, man. It's uh, shout out to those guys. Hey, man, shout out to them and work and you see in their work. Some people, like we talked off camera. You're a private guy, so some people may not even know what you're talking about. I probably wouldn't even have known unless Brandon went to Hendrickin. So, you know, and uh, besides your job, you were helping out at Hendrickin coaching. So um, that's what he's talking about. So how did you even get into that avenue in the first place? So, you know, um, I don't even know how you originally got started doing that. So what NC State, and after you left NC State, how did you get into, you know, helping out at Hendy? Yeah, so when I first got out of NC State, I was in the process of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, um, like most guys. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to go play overseas, play football in Europe. Um, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to try playing up in Canada, um, if I wanted, because I was uh, also doing on the side, I was coaching up at Bryant uh, with the strength staff, because a couple of my strength staff from NC State uh, came up to Bryant, so they were up at Bryant. So I was working with those guys, and then uh, Coach Yangambi, um, who was our coach from high school, my guy, um, hit me up. And he was like, he's like, yo, you think about coaching? And I was like, not really. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, he's like, he's like, I got a couple of guys here. I think you should uh, kind of come help out. So I came over there. I mean, I started started helping out. That was back in 2013. Yeah, back in 2013, that fall. And um, I was like, I was like, yeah, I kind of like this. I mean, let me just honestly preach what uh, what my coaches were preaching. Let me see if this if it translates to the high school level. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I mean. It, it was really cool seeing these guys develop through the years. I mean, because I, I, I hopped on that staff when those guys were juniors and then seeing their growth through the two years. And obviously, they went on to have their college careers. And then obviously, I had another cycle after them with another group. I had another group for the next three year, three to four years. And then obviously, they're off. Most of those guys now are uh, in upperclassmen now in college. It's actually really cool to see that development through the years of those guys and their growth. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah, that's dope, man. Because who would you, uh, like, who obviously, X and well, I'm not sure if you coach, uh, coach X, but you know, uh, obviously quitting and stuff like that. So who did you train that? Like you really stood out and like you started the development where you're like, wow, this guy's, he's listening to my coaching and he's, you know, I've helped him out a lot when you felt proud. You're like, this is my guy right here. There's a couple guys, man, uh, starting from the older, older generation. So I, I would start with, uh, uh, power Kanga, Quiddy Pe I mean, not Quiddy, power Kanga, um, Lee Moses. Um, after them was, um, uh, Anthony Witherspoon, uh, uh, Nate, Nate Giampo, those guys. Um, who else was on that? Was that was the last from that group? Because uh, Anthony Witherspoon was two years younger than Lee and them, and then obviously after them was um, uh, Angel and those guys. So they were the group right after Brent, your brother Brandon, yep. um, James, um, 
who else was on that staff? I'm, I'm, God, it's been so long. But uh, well, you're thinking that you're Anthony, he's uh, he's training right now for the, yep, the draft, so, right? Yep. So Anthony, uh, he's uh, he was funny because um, he was he was like a little guy. So uh, I mean, he looked like a deer deer out of headlights <laughs> when we threw him out there. But um, he was competing. Um, so Lee and those guys were seniors, and then and he was a uh, he was a sophomore. But um, you could see it. I mean, he was he, he listened. So like he never made the same mistake twice. I mean, by the time he was a senior, I mean, he was head and shoulders the best defensive back in Rhode Island. I mean, you could you could clearly see it. And um, obviously, I mean, it, it translated to him having a phenomenal career at Merrimack. I mean, um, he was very good, very tentative. I mean, he's obviously put on some size since he's a uh, he's a big guy now since uh, since his high school days. And uh, yeah, I know he's training now for the for the NFL. Hopefully he gets a shot. MS5, MS with NFL. So do you think if the XFL was around when you were coming out, you would try the XFL? I don't know, man. That's a grind, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're just you're just trying to get a shot. The whole purpose of the XFL, the USFL, all these other leagues is obviously to get a shot at the uh, NFL. And um, at that point in time, I, I was ready to make that transition off of football um, and obviously start my professional life. So, um, I mean, you never know because um, I know I have, I've actually had some buddies that popped around, hopped around these uh, these multiple leagues, and then they, they never materialized. So. I'm kind of glad I kind of stuck with my, what I <laughs> what I wanted to do because uh, those guys have been bouncing around for the last I don't know eight or nine years. Yeah, I remember one time we were talking about like oh uh, like flag leagues and stuff like that, and you're like I would never do a flag league. Like, it's it's funny you say that because uh, I remember I, I went like I maybe played like one time because my brother was like bugging the hell out. Of me. He's like he's like yo, we just need somebody to play defensive back. And then um, it, I watched one game. I came back the week after. And um, this one guy, he caught a pass. Mind you, it was flag football. This guy comes in, dives at his kneecap, <laughs> pops his ACL. Oh, my God. And I was like, this is the prime example why I'm not playing in this seven-on-seven shit. Yeah. And, then, and the funny, because the guy was screaming, he goes, man, fuck, man, I got to go to work in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bro, you are not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> That's funny as fuck, bro. Cause it's, it's weird, because uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you know who he is, Cam Miles. He was in Brandon Angel's class at yep. West. And he was saying, like, he wants to make it to XFL, NFL, and that's his goal. And he was telling his mom, he's like, you know, mom, this is the only sport where you have to give it your all when you can. Because it's not like basketball. It's not like soccer where you can join a men's league and keep playing until you're 60. Yep. NFL, the football is literally right now, that's it. Because you're not doing all the leagues when you're older. Yeah, man. Football, when it's over, it's over. All my guys that I play for me, I always tell them, man, play as long as you can, man. As long as you still have the love for it, the the the, the, the drive for it, do it, man. Because uh, once you hang them cleats up, once you hang that jersey up, you, you, last time you put on the helmet, man, that's it. Because like, like you can play golf until the day you pass away. Man. Yeah. Football, man, you ain't going to be going around banging and hitting <laughs> When you no more after thirty. I mean, if you if you last that long. Yeah, but they got those leagues like in Pawtucket. I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. My boy Jay LaRose hit me up. He's like, You want to play? He's like, I didn't go. Next week, he's like, Yeah, you're lucky you didn't go because someone tried to get stabbed after because they scored a touchdown on somebody. I'm like, That's why I didn't go. I'm all set. Yep. I'm all good with that type of shit, man. When I, when I was done, man, uh, that was it. Because guys were like, Yo, come play semi pro with us. I'm like, I'm like, That ain't happening, bro. Like, <laughs> when I was done, man, that was it for me. Yeah, man. So you said you're coaching up. Like, uh, you need a lot of DBs and scope players. So do you have like a. Little spot in your heart for you know DBs and stuff like that. Your little you know warm spot in your heart for that type of stuff. Like- oh, yeah, oh yeah, of course, man. I mean that's I mean that's that's my specialty, man. I mean that's what I do, man. Um, I mean I was coach. I, I, I always I always preached to my uh, DB coach in college, man. Coach, uh, sh- uh, shout out to Coach Mike Reed uh, down in Clemson. But um, I mean he was very good at teaching us everything we needed to know to be successful. 
Um, and it translated because a lot of the guys that played with me, um, a lot of guys that he's coached through the years. I mean, if you look at the whole, most of the NFL rosters, he's probably pretty much coached pretty much maybe almost a quarter of the DBs in the NFL. Um, he's a very good coach. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what I, when I came back, I was like, yeah, let me just, let me focus on this. I mean, cause this is what I, this is what I do. It's what I know. Uh, so let, let me, let me help here where I can. Cause I, I, I know quite a bit. Yeah, man, that's fire. Yeah. I know Brandon, uh, loved having you around. He was uh, upset you left his senior year. <laughs> I know Ainge and all of them, uh, really like having you around and yeah, man. So like when you're doing that, just, that's generally from the office. I know from the bottom of your heart, you're, you know, taking your weekends, your mornings, we would meet with you at Hope, kind of like what uh, you know, Yangambi used to do with us back in high school. So do you think like when, you know, the Yangambis, your coach, Mike, uh, Mike Reed are there, are they like in the back of your head, like you're thinking about them when you're doing that to help these younger generation? Because from my knowledge, you're not getting paid to do that stuff. So you're doing it just to help these kids out. So like, you know, where do you think that comes from? Just, just trying to help these guys out as much as I can, man, because uh, I mean, I like I said, Coach Yangambi used to do it for us, man. It's always good to give back, man. Um, I always say, I always tell people, you, there's no reason to gatekeep knowledge. Um, if, if you can give it back, man, do it because uh, well, these kids don't know. I mean, what they don't know, they don't know. So, I mean, if you can help, if I, my thing, what well, my thing always was, if I could help one guy, man, that that's that's more than enough. But I was actually able to help quite a few. So, I used to tell guys, man, I, I'm giving you guys the blueprint. What you guys do with what it is up to you. Because um, I always say that as a coach, I mean, no coach help, no coach got a kid to. Uh, a school, university, whatever. They did that based upon their their performance, their athletic ability. What you did was you helped them along the way. Um, you you might have helped their technique. You might have helped them, coach them up a little bit. But at the end of the day, they do it. Because um, Lee, Lee used, it's funny, because Lee used to hit me up all the time. He'd be like, coach, man, thank you for everything, man. Like, man, you got me here. And I'm like, no, bro. I, I, I did nothing. <laughs> you <laughs> Every, think that? Yeah. What you genuinely think? That? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like at the end of the day, man, you're, you're, you're like I said earlier in the podcast. Um, you're gonna get those offers based upon your ability. It's not about what you know, um, who's coaching you. It's about if if you if you, but between those sticks, when it's time to play, when the lights come on, can you make a play? That that that's what it's all about. So um, I, I always attribute to uh, to tell these guys, man. It's um it's all about you, man. It's it's not about the coach. You're the athlete. You make the plays. Every every all, everything you've gained, everything you've earned, that's all you. So, be be proud of that, man. Because um, I mean, it doesn't matter which which division you play in. I mean, if you're playing Division One, Division One sports, man, you're a baller. So just be proud of I'm that. For sure, man. I have, I have a two parter right here. So, so you don't think? So who who would you? You know, a trip like thank growing up. Like, do you have like uh inspirations or like motivations as coaches? Like, uh, helped you like mold your game. Yeah, man. I mean, I can start from the top. So the Donington Braves. So that's actually where I first got started in Pawtucket. Um, they pretty much that pretty much started my love for football. Um, I went I went through the, all the ranks. I went from I don't know what it's a flag football all the way up to I don't know whatever it is. So they call it midget. So yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of those guys. I mean, uh, it's funny because like I'm still friends with some of those guys today. I mean, my barber is actually what was actually my quarterback growing up. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just it's starting with them, and then obviously St. Ray's, man. I mean, uh, St. Ray's obviously helped mold me into the getting to the college level, and then obviously I had a, a phenomenal college staff to help help develop me as well. Um, so, I mean, it's just too many people to thank, but obviously it's um, those those coaches through the years that took the time out to give me that extra time to teach me something, to let me use those extra hours in the gym when I wasn't supposed to be in there. Um, it's too many folks to call out, but they know who they are. Yeah, man, but. Um so but the part two to that question was, so someone like, you know, 
I know Yagami used to be there for us and stuff like that growing up. And then like obviously you with uh Angel and stuff like that. So you don't think, you know, you to Yangami or like Angel to you, if Angel makes it to NFL, you don't think Angel you like Angel owes anything to you? Not one bit. <laughs> if uh any of those guys make it to NFL, I mean, they did it based upon what they do. I mean, um I mean I'm at the end of the day, I mean I mean, have you seen some of those catches Angel's doing? <laughs> I mean, he's doing those catches based upon what he can do. That ain't no coach taught you how to do that. I mean, you're doing that based upon your God-given ability. So um, I, I ain't taking no credit for any of, that, any of those uh, performances those guys are putting up. Yeah, man, not for sure. Um, it's crazy because, you know, sometimes I agree with that. I know Anthony Davis, his parents actually pay for their ticket to go to his game still. The Lakers. I'm not sure if you know that. Nah. They were refused to accept money from Anthony <laughs> Davis or like any free tickets. Because yeah. they're like, no, you did it. Like we, we were there to support you. We provided that blueprint for you and you succeeded. We didn't do anything for you. So but sometimes people can fall into that trap where they feel that pressure where it's like, oh, like I gotta you know provide for my entire family. I gotta provide for my family or friends and stuff like that. And um, you know, it's been, you know, obviously a whole bunch of horror stories where people kind of just fall into that trap where they spend all their money real quick. And um, yeah, man, it's you know. You it's see it. It's, you mean, see it. It's kind of just crazy. I mean, I have some friends that, that fell into that trap where uh, obviously they get that first NFL check because I mean, I tell people that's fast money, man. I mean, you go from being a broke college student to uh, being a uh, not a multimillionaire right away, but a thousandaire right away. So I mean, a lot of these guys they're, <laughs> they're signing bonus. I mean, I'm not going to call a specific friend, but I mean, he he got a, a signing bonus for it was like a couple hundred thousand. The first thing he did was run to the dealership and buy a hundred thousand dollar car. I mean. It's not the smartest thing yeah. in the world, but it happens all the time, man. So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you think that's like where you can attribute, like, say, if you miss a league or anything like that, where, you know, you can attribute like that upbringing for your family and stuff like that, where your parents kind of like mold that into you, like, you know, school first. And then, you know, from my knowledge, you're doing pretty well. So, but a lot of people don't have that. You think, you think, you know, parenting in the football and like basketball, especially if, you know, for our demographic mm -hmm. is, is, is big. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. It's just your support system. Your support system is going to obviously mold you to who you are. But, I mean, there's other people that, I mean, it takes a village. Um, not only was it my personal support system, but, I mean, I said a little earlier, but my my coaching staffs, obviously those guys were family as well. The boys I was hanging with. Because um, my grandmother used to always tell me, like, listen, like, you you know the difference between right and wrong. Like, there's some guys, man, when you get a certain age, you see them doing something they ain't supposed to be doing, man. This, I mean, I know those are your friends, but he might have to cut them loose because... Uh, at the end of the day, you got to figure out what, what the end game is for you. And my end game was always playing, playing sports, going on after that, and then uh, and hanging with that particular crew. Obviously, wasn't going to get me to that level. So obviously, I had to cut some folks out along the way. But I mean, for young guys, man, you just got to be smart. I mean, uh, you guys know. So I mean, if if you really want to dedicate yourself uh, to playing, being a college athlete, doing all the other stuff, man, make the sacrifices. Yeah, man, it's definitely a. It can be tough at, and I mean, not for me, but I feel like other people can be tough at times because, mm -hmm. you know, you could say you want to cut somebody off, just like you want to cut that girlfriend off, and then you see your boy with their six months later, like, yo, I thought you were cutting her off, yeah. bro. Like, it's hard to cut people off sometimes, and especially coming, it's like that weird, you know, it's like that, uh, it is that, that mindset from where we grew up in, like in the, you know, the areas we grew up on, it's like, oh, it's part of loyalty, oh, you're, I'm loyal to my boys and stuff like that. It's like, you really don't owe them anything. I feel a lot of people fall in that trap, but they think they owe their best friend from second grade something where it's like you can't cut them off. And, and I, I've always been the same way too. I think I always try to stay stick to that crowd where you know, I'm trying to better myself. And I think where, you know, that's where we always had that like a uh, mutual respect where we always stay in touch with each other. 
your birthday is the day after mine. So we always talk always around our birthday time, especially when you know, my Brandon and I could always see him like, Oh, you know, monks, you know, he's a good dude. He's always doing like the right thing, the right path. And I hang around wrong kids. And I never want to be hanging around the, like the bad crowd. Of course, nobody really wants to hang out with the bad crowd, but you see it though with athletes, man, you see like, you know, I mean, John Moran is like, what is this guy doing? Phase of league right now. And that he could potentially have been, and it's like, what is he doing? I mean, he's just being a clown. I mean, <laughs> case in point. Yeah, but there's a lot of clowns out there. Yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like tough. And it's like sometimes you gotta be selfish, man. I mean, just, just sometimes just do what's right for you. I know, I know it, it may be tough to make those sacrifices, but at the end of the day, man, you gotta think like like I always said, you gotta think about what the end goal is. I mean, if you if you wanna wave a gun drinking in a strip club or whatever, and you and you got a multi million dollar deal with something that you could potentially lose, you're just being a dumbass. Um and it was the same thing. Our coaches, our coach used to tell us all the time at NC State. He'd be like, "Listen, he goes, we can monitor you guys when you guys are here in the building, but what you guys do outside the building, that's up to you. But I'm gonna let y'all know that what you do outside that building reflects on upon this program. And if you do something to show a bad light, we will cut scholarships. And um, obviously, there were some guys through the year that got their scholarships <laughs> cut, and you had to go home to explain to your mother, your father, your grandparents, whoever." why you lost that scholarship. So that was always a fear in my head. Like, listen, I got a golden opportunity to go to a, a major university, well-known, get an education, a free education. I ain't blowing this. <laughs> yeah, man, you would think, man. You would think, but... You would think. You would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So when you're at NC State, so, you know, we didn't even touch that. Yeah, we a little bit left the pod. I want to keep you all night. But you're at NC State, so how was that transition from, you know, small state, small school in St. Ray's? We had maybe 400 kids in total. So was that like a complete, like, uh, you know, culture shock for you? Yeah, man, it was a little. No, I would say it was, it was a lot because obviously. You probably did a lot of this before you get into the <laughs> NC State. We'll take one more shot. You said you had a two-shot limit uh, right here, maybe, uh, maybe three. So we can get the NC State chapter of your life. So, yeah, uh, so toast uh, back to these days. That's like seems like a lifetime ago. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I first got to NC State, obviously, because I'm, I'm going to the South, it's not like I'm going to like a, uh, a school around here. It's it's a whole different quality of living, culture, all that. Everything's very slow down there. You got the Southern accents, different types of food, music, all that good stuff. Um, so when I first got down there, I think the biggest adjustment for me was um, being around a lot of athletes that were good. I mean, because mostly everybody that I mean, you hop into a program, everybody was a big fish in a small pond. And um, and now you're putting all that fish in one in a in a bigger pool. So you got to see who who really got to separate themselves, and um, that was the big thing. So obviously um, going to NC State, NC State's a very large university right in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, yeah. So um, we had uh, what twenty thousand students, thirty thousand students, something like that. So. You're literally going to like a city of of students, and um, were you like nervous at all? You have like like any fear or nerves? Maybe a little bit of nerves. Um, I, I I think it was more nerves than anxious. Like I'm I'm ready to get down here and show what I can do, and um, I felt like I did that pretty quickly um, when I got down there because obviously like the big thing you always hear when you go to play for colleges, everybody can run, and speed was never really an issue for me. So that was kind of it made it easier for me to translate. But I think the biggest issue I had was. Not really how, how much faster everybody was <laughs> because, um, I mean, obviously, when most of the guys here, I mean, the t top athletes in Rhode Island, like you're, you're pretty much 
I mean, you're jogging. I mean, you're going like three quarter speed and you're pretty much going by people. Like down at NC State, that day one, I was sprinting. Like if you don't sprint, people are going to leave you in the dust. And so it was good because, I mean, I had to compete every day. You got to compete for your position. You got you to fight. You got to do all that stuff. I mean, on a daily basis. It's not like it's, you can't take days off when you're at, at schools like that because um, guys well, are good, man. Well, what was like your eye-opening moment? You're like, oh, shit. Like I got to step it up. Did you have like that eye-opening moment to college? Yeah, it was it was literally the um, the first practice. No, it might it might have been like a week. The first day we put on pads, and um, we had this kid T.J. Graham, um, who was the uh, the reigning um, one hundred and two hundred meter national champion. Oh my god! And um, he was one of our wide receivers, and um, I, I gave him I gave him some cushion, and um, he was fast. So T.J. was like a uh, like ten flat, ten two, one hundred fast. And um, I remember I, I opened up, I opened up pretty much like six yards and he just ran right by me <laughs> and um, I was huffing it. I'm like, I was moving and he just, he went right by me. Like I wasn't even standing there <laughs> and, uh, and I was, that was like the first time I'm like, okay, these guys, yeah, these guys, these guys can move down here. But like he was, it, we had a few guys on the, on the, on our team that could run like that. But um, he was definitely the one that was like, okay, like this shit's for real down here. Like these, <laughs> these, these kids can run. Um, it's kind of crazy. Cause People don't understand, like, I was out with a girl one time, and we're watching the Dolphins, and Tyreek's obviously on, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, this guy's, he's fast. And she's like, she's watching him, she's like, he doesn't look that fast to me. I'm like, what? So, like, people who don't play football, it's, like, such an illusion. And, um, like, you see him, like, just run by somebody, and people are, like, watching, like, how is Tyreek open? Like, you know they're going to pass it to him. Like, what's your answer to that when people are like, oh, how, how don't you double cover him? Why is he need a why is he triple cover? How is he open all the time? These guys are moving so fast. It's it's, it's unreal. Um it, it's 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 almost freakish. Like you see some of these guys run down there because um I mean, you see it up here. I mean, like you see some of these guys that here in Rhode Island, uh, it doesn't matter whatever Connecticut, like these guys like they're fa- like don't get me wrong, a lot of guys up here can run. And then like you see some other guys that like separate from them. Like I tell people all the time, 43 speed is way different from 44 and 45 speed. Like like it doesn't sound like a lot, but that separation is crazy. And then Tyreek and those guys are running four twos. Um, it, it, it's sick. Like uh, the guy TJ Graham, I just told you about. He 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 ran in the four twos for at, at our pro day, and um, that speed is just. He, he TJ played like maybe like five years in NFL with the Bills, five or six years. He was drafted in like the second or third round. Um, that speed's different, man. It's like it. I always tell people on television, it looks a lot slower um, than it is in real life. Like if you actually go and see these guys in person. Psh, it's nuts, man. So, like, Coach Monk ran now. So, you got Tyreek lined up. You, you're coaching up Angel. What's, like, your advice to someone trying to cover a Tyreek Hill? Jam his ass to the sideline. I mean, the sideline is your best friend because if he gets in the middle of the field, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, the, the sideline is another defender for you because uh, at, that, at that point, push him to the sideline and hopefully just you get a one-on-one ball in the air because uh, if he gets in the middle of the field to run a post, a curl, come back whatever he wants to run it's over um that's what i always tell guys when, you, when you're playing against a small little fast guy man force him to the outside because i mean that's 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 an advantage for you tyreek's a big ass dude though he no, looks he, small he's a big no, no. ass dude How- he's, he's brawl like but he's short he's only yeah. like he's only like five six so like if you're, if you're a long guy with with long arms you can get your hands on him and I mean, no matter how strong you are, I mean, long arms always wins most of the time. So I mean, if if you, if you have a good good technique, push him to the ride him to the sideline, cut him off. I mean, that that's probably your biggest opportunity to win that battle. Yeah. So you're saying that, but so how is he always open? He's always open because he always he most of the time he plays off. They do a lot of motion with him. Um, a lot of crossing routes. 
Um, and playing off the line helps him tremendously because when you're playing on the line, guys can get your hands on you. So well, if he has like a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage, he can run around like a little mouse and, and get around folks. I mean, and then once he gets moving, man, it's, it's, it's tough to get your hands on him. And plus, in the NFL, you can't put your hands on after five yards. In college, you can put your hands on all the way down the field to the balls in the air. In the, in the pros, you, after five yards, you can't put your hands on. So obviously, that's the biggest issue. And a, so you got one guy, and then you got Waddle next to him. Does that make it even tougher as a defender? Yeah, man. That's why they, I mean, they were leading the league in, in freaking passing for yeah. the whole season. Until, until so got hurt, yeah. I mean, it's so much speed on the field, man. I mean, I was... Most certain, and then you got... I thought, honestly, for a while, I, I really thought that they were going to make a run for it because... Um, Fucking two of them, man. I mean, it's so much speed, man. Um, speeds, I mean... Is that a big thing? Like, when you're like, wow, we're facing a team with that elite speed, does that make it a complete different for the defense? Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny because... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tie it back to another story. So, um, when I was getting recruited into high school, guys would be like, man, you're small, man. Like, you're very small. I'm like, I think I'm decent size. Man. I'm, I'm not tiny. And then it was funny because when I went to college, I was actually one of the biggest recruits that they had. Uh, most of the other guys, well, biggest skill players that they had. And most of the other guys were small. And then we played Florida State. And then we started playing Miami. And they looked like a high school team. I mean, I don't know what, what it was. <laughs> we were like, what the hell is going on? And then because a lot of those guys, I mean, on, 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 on paper, it says these guys were like 5'11", 6 feet, like... 170 pounds, 180 pounds. I mean, you, you. We saw these guys in person. They were like five eight, five seven, 150 pounds, 160 pounds. Get it, baby. But these guys could all run. Oh, one of those guys. That's the difference. Yeah. I mean, so I always tell guys like the ACC was kind of like what the SEC is now. Back when we were playing, the, 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 there was definitely a transition when we were in college. Um, but back in when we were playing, everybody knew the ACC is like the speed division, and like no matter what team we played, any team that we any team that you played in the southeast in the southeast region. All those uh, obviously Boston College was one of the bigger teams. Those guys up north, but everybody in the southeast region was always smaller, and everybody could run. Bunch of Tyreeks on the field. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was it was insane because like if you if you weren't running at least a four or five or lower, you could not compete at that level. Because honestly, you you couldn't because even our bigger guys, even our like some of our six six receivers were still running in the four or five range. So like, wow. you, if you couldn't run, you you couldn't play at that level at at, at well not at that level at at that division at the time. Gosh, yes, that's 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 wild, man. Like I remember one time Angel and Brandon went to uh, the U the USA camp in Ohio. Yep. And the best receiver there was some kid from Texas. I think he was like five seven, black kid with dreads, torching everybody. I remember. I remember they told me about torching that. everybody. Yep, he's literally, yeah. he's like, yeah. no one can put his hand. No one can press him. They're gonna do anything. Yep. This dude was just torching everybody. I'm like, this kid. Like you, you look at him like this kid, and then you're like, wow, never mind. Mm -hmm. Literally, mm -hmm. just running circles around people. Yeah, that, so uh, yeah, I'm be saying like those kids down there, they're just there's different. There's running four twos and there's running around kids. I mean, because all these guys freaking do is run all damn day. <laughs> it's funny as shit because um, one of my boys, uh, Jay Bird, um, he was from Pahokee, Florida, and I used to ask him like, "Yo, what the hell do y'all do for fun? Like, you guys live in the middle." Of the he's like, "He's like, no joke. He's like, you we like growing up, we used to chase rabbits. <laughs> like, you used to hear the story. You hear the stories of like from kids from Pahokee, Florida. He's like, he's like, he was like." You, that's like the story. He's like, no, that's like what we really did. It was like we used to chase wildlife because like we had nothing else to do. And those guys were all quick, man. They could always, they're always fast as shit, and they all could run. So um, it's crazy, man. Like you can't teach speed, man. You can, you can, anybody can. You can hit in the gym. You can get big, but like there's something that speed you can't teach it. I mean, you either have it, or you don't. Yeah, man. You definitely have it or you don't. So like, when, when was that moment for at least with, uh, speed wise? Were you like, oh shit, I'm fast? Did you have a moment you're like, oh, I'm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just good. Just quick. 
probably when we were playing Dawn to Brace, like growing up, like I, I knew like because um, I, I mean we were running basic die plays and pitch plays. <laughs> like they would throw a pitch and I would just hit the sideline and I and I was just running by everybody. I was like, yo, I can run. Like like I think I'm fast. Like. I mean, because I'm not a cocky person. I never really was, but I was like, I was like, I think that's like one of my strengths is I can run. Um, yeah. And then obviously it translated. I mean, through the years. I mean, that's one thing coaches always utilize was my ability to stretch the field, um, do a lot of the other stuff. Have me pl- always play safety because I could play sideline the sideline because I could run uh, both sidelines. Yeah, man, for sure. I remember. Uh, I I didn't know. I always knew I was like fast in like middle school because I'd be easily the fastest kid like mm-hmm. in my middle school. And that I, didn't, I didn't really notice, though, until I started doing track at Saints. And then you and SD would be like, yo, you're fast. And I'm like, am I? Like, is that like, I'm like, I didn't yeah. like, yeah, yeah, like in the 400, like the 400 was like my race. And looking back on it now, I'm like, damn, I should have stuck with track because track was probably, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at football, but I think track was my sport. Mm-hmm. And I should have stuck with it more, but like, I guess I didn't have that guidance more like we're being into that too. And maybe like if it has someone like you or like that, like Ngambi was there too, for sure. But, um, I'll also attribute to me where I wasn't listening to. Like I could, I could have definitely went to college or track. I think for the four hundred, and I kind of just dropped the ball there. But getting back to where it's like, I didn't know I was that fast until I started doing. It. I'm like blowing these kids out. I'm like, wow, like that four by four team was crazy. It was like me, Nile, Gene, and like Marcus. I mean, we were just torching teams. Man, guidance is important, man. Um, I mean, a lot of these guys uh, that are coaching you guys up, a lot of the, for you, I'm speaking to you younger guys. Uh, they're doing it for your best interest. I mean, if a, if a coach is telling you to try something out, I mean, because they want to see what you can do, um, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason I started doing track. Um, one of my one of my coach, well, it was my one of my friends, Chance, Chancellor Logan. His father was actually uh, our track coach at the time. He was like, "Yo, Monk, man, I think you should uh, run track." He's like, "I really think it would help with football." And I was like, mm, I don't really know about running no track, man. I'm just trying to play football. Because at the time, I was playing basketball. And he's like, he's like, yo, try it out. He's like, I think it would help. And then, um, obviously, it, it definitely helped with my mechanics, doing all that other stuff. So that that alone helped me in the long run because uh, it helped with my speed. It helped with my transition, doing all that stuff. So that was the guidance right there. Coach Angami coaching me up on – there was definitely plenty of weekends doing a lot of that stuff, coaching me up. And uh, yeah, man. I mean, you see it with Stanley, man. Stanley's, Stanley's guiding – hundreds of guys now of Rhode Island. I mean, he's, he's helping at the next level. So, um, take what these guys have to offer you, man. Cause uh, a lot of these guys have your best interests. Um, I mean, not only Stanley, but I want to call a shout out Renz too, cause Renz has been doing it for a very long time for the, for the younger kids. I mean, and it's translating, you're seeing it for the high school level. Cause these guys going up to the high school ranks are obviously a little more advanced than we were coming up through the high school ranks. Yeah, man, definitely. You know, shout out to friends and as the, you know, doing the thing for Rhode Island kids and appreciate sure everyone, you know, appreciates them. But, you know, I guess I can speak to the opposite side where, you know, I guess I had the talent where I just didn't list it as much. And uh, obviously, you know, I'm not like a bad kid. I just like, yeah. I have my mind on other stuff. I was like, oh, I mean, you know, girls partying and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm good at sports, but like, you know, my parents were never on me. Like my mom would come and support me, but my dad didn't know anything about sports mm-hmm. really anything like that. So, you know, I, I didn't really grow up in a sports family, so it wasn't like the first thing on my mind. And then that's kind of where it changed with Brandon. You know, I think Brandon yeah. had a better like trajectory sports-wise. And you know, if he had you know the grades, he probably could have played his, you know, at least D three or something like that. I mean, you're the coach; you, you know more than me. But I think Brandon had a pretty good talent. But I helped him. I was way more like, right, you have to do this. You yep. have to do this. And if I had that, I feel like I would have had way more dedication and focus to be listening out to the Gingami when he's talking like, yo, do the three, do the six. I'm like, I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> like literally that's like, that was like my mindset. I'm like, I don't even want to fucking do this. It sucks. Like, <laughs> it, it helps. Yeah, um, man. Especially after like, you know, I mean, I was lucky because uh, my father actually played uh, uh, at university of Rhode Island back in the seventies. 
Um, That's fire. Yeah, yeah. So my my dad will always preach to. I mean, he always tells like he's like he's like I'm not going to tell you what you guys want to do, but if you want to play at this level, this is what you have to do. And um, so he always told us he's like, listen, like if you want to play like this th- this position, or if you want to play at this school, whatever, there's different types of sacrifices you're going to have to make to to make it happen. So yeah, that's yeah. big though. Like I don't. You know, again, my dad didn't know any better, but I never had those. I never had those talks. Yeah. You know, I never had those talks where it's like, oh, this could be your future. My future was like, at that point, I honestly, I never really got like any guidance like from my down the path. I always had my head on right, mm-hmm. and you know, guidance college, you know, same race. Shout out sister Regina. She was always helpful, and then yep. you know, your eye, my guy Bobby, shout out Bobby, and always good people to, like helping me out, but it was helping me guide to what I wanted to do. But it was never like, oh, you should, if you want to play football, this is what you do. Or if you want to do track, this is what you should do. Because I think that would be different. My dad was like, oh, you know, you are really good at the four. You should do this. And I'd be like, oh, all right, maybe I would. So like I said, that does all matter at the same time. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, yeah, I think it's, I think it's key. And, you know, absolutely what you're doing and where you're at. And, um, you know, made it to NC State and, you know, getting back to NC State. So do you think NC State was like the right choice for you? And like helping you guide, you know, to your, your journey. Yeah, at the time it was. I mean, um, uh, yeah, because um, they were definitely they definitely showed the most interest. Um, there was obviously some universities. Um, most of the a lot of the small universities were the ones really reaching out to me. Um, a lot of the FCS. Well, I don't even know what they call it, FCS no more. FC, FCS, yeah, it is. Yeah, well, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was one AA back in the day. Oh yeah. So a lot of those schools reached out to me, um, but. Obviously, I, I I wanted to gamble on myself. Of course, um, NC State reached out. Maybe like maybe it was like maybe like a month before signing day. Their first interest started when um, they were at Boston College, but they made the transition. So they reached out to me when I was like a junior. Um, just told me there was some interest there. Um, me playing defensive back, and then obviously they reached out again about like a year later before signing day. And then um, yeah, I, I mean I feel like it was what I wanted to do because um, obviously I, I've always wanted to test myself, play against the best. Um, I just wanted to see if I could compete. So, I mean, I, I showed it pretty early I could compete, and I, I was pretty happy with the decision. Obviously, with everything going on now, it probably would, the long run probably would have shaked out a little different with these transfer rules and all this other stuff. Oh, but nuts! Because it, it, it's insane right now what's going on. But um, but I, at the end of the day, I feel like I mean I've I've made some phenomenal friends that I'm still friends with today from college. Um, I got a, like I said, outstanding education. I played, I played at the highest level. I played against some really well-known players. Got to so, compete, yeah, all that good stuff. So going against NC State was your mindset the NFL? Or yeah, was yeah, it- yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's that's pretty much every kid. Who's, I mean, most kids that are, that go on to play Division One football, the, the, the end game is to play in NFL. I mean, that was the, that was that was the plan. Obviously, it didn't shake out the way it did. I mean, that's all right. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's what I was gunning for when I was when I. That's one of the main reasons I chose the NC State over some of the other universities that reached out to me. So what would it be like, you know, you said transfer rules are crazy nowadays and things along those lines, just in the vice portion of this, what would you say to anybody, you know, picking a college? I know the recruiting game, I I did not have the privilege of being in the recruiting process, but if you're in the recruiting process, how do you trust these coaches? I know you said you had a little internship there right now. So, you know, how can you trust someone when you're talking to, you know, the small colleges and the SECs and they're like, so someone's in, in your shoes, what would you have said to them? I mean, who's really showing you the most love? I mean, who's 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 really in constant contact with you? Who's like really talking about the plans with you? I mean, if you just have a coach that just throws you an offer and be like, hey, listen, we want you to play DB here, and then like you'll hear from him every once every couple of weeks, every every once a month, maybe even more than that. 
I mean, you're just honestly, you're just they're just throwing an offer just to throw an offer. Um, but if you have a coach that's like, hey, listen, we want you to come in play wide receiver, or we, and they're like, then they start talk, talking specifics, like, listen, we want you to play the X, we want you to play the Y. Here's a couple of plays that we think that would actually would work for you. We think that we we, we want to redshirt your freshman year. We think that we want you to play right away. I mean, you you can definitely get a gauge about who's really serious about you and who's just like. Yeah, he's just somebody we're we're to kind of just throw an offer because everybody else offered him, or just he he might be like a if we do bring him in, there's not really a lot of interest. He might be a, like a good role player for us down the line, or he might even be a really good practice player for us because you'd be surprised. Coaches recruit a lot of guys just for being really good practice players because um, you, you you're a good look for them for their starters come game time because if you can get a, as close to game time speed with your backups, you, you have a better chance of winning on Saturdays. Yeah, I mean, I thought that can be tough though. So say like, so it's basically just whoever's reaching out to you the most. Right? Yeah, reaching yeah. Who's, who's who's like who really has your best interest? Who's who's checking in on you? Who's checking in on your family? Who's asking how you're doing? Who? I mean, you can see. It. I mean, I mean, when I look back and see who's who was the schools that were recruiting me the hardest, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, they, those schools really really wanted me, and I was like, they they probably probably would might have been a better decision, but um, I mean, you see, it. I mean, uh, some of the guys that like that were even high known prospects that got recruited at NC state. They even said the same thing. Like, Hey, listen, like I just chose NC state cause it was close to home, this and that, but I might, maybe I should have chosen another program because NC state was kind of the safer one, but there were some other schools that were generally more interested in me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have to ask you on this just because oh, yeah. the, the Russell Wilson thing, people start telling me, I'm like, yo, Russell, he was your teammate at NC state. Yeah. Yep. Russell was with me for Four years, three or four years, yeah. And um, it's when I see him out, I always think about you. When I see a video of him being yeah, yeah. nice and you know uh, camera friendly, he's not like that in real life. Yeah, Russell's he's, <laughs> he's, he's he really is. <laughs> so he's super low key. Um, Russell's very quiet. Um, he he didn't really talk a lot when we were at school. I mean, he was definitely like a it come game time. He was definitely like a rah rah, like let's go team, let's let's get it and all that other stuff. But like. Outside of that, man, he was very, like, very in the books, very, because he played two sports. So, I mean, being a two-sport athlete in college is, is, is insane in itself. So, he would he would go to football. First, he would get, he'd be the first one in the stadium every day. So, St- Russell would be in the stadium at, like, 4 o'clock. He would work out, watch film, do all that. And then he would go to practice, whatever, if we had practice in the morning. He'd go to class, go to baseball practice. And then he would go home and, and whatever, and then just start the next day over. So, he was, like, he was, like, an engine man. He just, like, nonstop, like, wouldn't. All the time. So you're not catching him at a party. He's sacrificing. No, no, no. <coughs> you won't. You won't catch this Russell out anywhere. I mean, you may catch him at a fundraiser. <laughs> you, you're not. You're not. You're not going to catch him out at a club. So yeah, that mindset from the beginning. That's why he's yeah, like you know yeah. one of the best. You know. Yeah. So people always ask me all the time, like, is this really like how he is? And I'm like, yeah, this. That's how he was from the minute like I stepped foot on an NC State's campus. Like, he's been consistent. He's he's a worker. I mean, like. People think he was just giving it. I mean, the reason Russell has had such a long career in the NFL and all this other stuff is he works, man. Like, he works, like, hard around the clock. Like, he'll work out in the gym for, like, two hours, and then he'll he'll go hit the field for two hours, and he'll after that, he'll have, like, an hour stretch session. Like, just an hour straight stretching. Like, working on his mobility, his, his uh, shoulders, hips, all that good stuff, man. So, obviously, you're asking you say, too, so I'm sure you had a good work ethic as well. So, when people... Um you know, it was that instilled in you from like the jump? Because even at Saints, man, you were, you know, I remember you doing like 50 like squats, like 225 and like your junior year. So obviously you're in shape at that point. So like, was that just like instilled in you? Like with like Russ, he's at the four o'clock in the morning. 
is it like tough for you to get up there or he's just like you know i gotta do it no nah, man i've I, I mean i i gotta do what you gotta do to man to, to get what you want man so um i mean like i said in high school i was always i was always in the gym like if we if we weren't at practice if i wasn't in class i was hitting the gym like even during lunch breaks even during like lunch period sometimes i was in the gym working out when I got to NC State, I mean, that took workouts to another level because we had to be at the stadium. At, uh, uh, the first whistle would start at 445 in the offseason, and then that's when we would start. We would, be, we would go from 445 to about 8 o'clock in the morning. and then um, Just lifting? Lifting, running. So we be, we split in two pairs. So one pair would um, would be out running on the field, another pair would be lifting weights. So, I mean, you'll, you'll learn very quickly if, if, if you want to be a, a visual athlete. I'm not going to lie. After the first month, I was even questioning if I want to play college football because <laughs> it's intense, man. Because um, they don't have it as much as they used to. Because because um, obviously freshmen when they go and we we went in in July, obviously during camp, and um, they don't really have two days like they used to anymore. I think two days now is like they could only have like I don't know maybe like five days worth out of a, out of a span of a month. When we, when we was in camp, it was a whole month. It was the whole month, pretty much the whole month, like half of July and half of August, and um, we were legit. Having two a days every other day, we would start at six o'clock in the morning, and then we need to get back into our room to eleven o'clock at night every sing, every single day. Like at that point, are you like are you miserable? And you're like, absolutely. <laughs> and don't let nobody tell you otherwise. <laughs> Everybody on that program is absolutely miserable. I'm like, yo, what the fuck did we sign up for? <laughs> it's yeah. like it's crazy, man. Because it's like you wake up, you eat. It's like you hit practice, you're watching film. It's like it's like when do you sleep? It's like it's like those little twenty minute breaks you would get. You would lay, you would literally lay on the carpet anywhere and just take a quick twenty minute nap. So yeah, so twenty minute nap. So then, and at that point too, like you're on an eating regimen as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's like you're on a crazy ass schedule. Yeah, man. They were like obviously it's, it changed through the years. By the time we were seniors, we probably camp was reduced to like three weeks or something like that, and we only had like maybe like two weeks out of that would have been two days. But um, obviously, it kept cutting down through the years. But um, yeah, you're on a full regimen. Like we have like a, a full itinerary. It'll be like okay, from I don't know eight to nine, you have film. From nine to nine thirty, you have breakfast. From from breakfast, you're going to the practice field. You have practice for two hours. When you come back, you have you have to hit the sauna. You have to hit the the whirlpool. You have to cool down. After the cool down, you have to hit the gym for the gym. It's like looking back on it, do you think that's all necessary? Like the abso- sauna abso- and- absolutely. Um, we had. I mean, because it's, it's preparing you for battle, man, because that month you're in camp, that's supposed to prepare you for, what is it, three months of a season, whatever it is, two or three months of literally banging every single day, man, because uh, playing college football, man, is, is brutal. I mean, you, you got to be physically in shape, condition-wise, all that to be ready to go for that period of life. And they keep talking about extending the seasons. It's like, these guys are going to break down, man. It's <laughs> like, it, it the seasons are long in itself, so I mean you, you need all that to prepare yourself to to be playing uh, for those many weeks. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's crazy. I mean the NFL too. So like you talking about extending the season right there. I know Richard Sherman was uh, was pissed and they're talking about that. So you're on his side. You're like absolutely. It's it's it, it's crazy, man. Like eighteen weeks in itself is is just to think about is is sick. <laughs> How about like the argument though? Well, you know, you're getting compensated a good amount to play an extra game yeah. of football. You used to play football for free back in high school, and uh, you know, you would do it. You know, these kids aren't essentially touring every single week, and they're paying to tour. So now you're getting paid an extra amount for an extra game. You know, 
you know, I guess that would be the argument. What's your rebuttal to that argument? Guys are going to start taking days or games off. I mean, kind of what you're seeing for this uh, rest, whatever, whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, fucking pisses me off. You're going to start seeing NFL because guys are not going to play 19 weeks of a regular season plus what? Three weeks within a preseason. And then on top of that, you still got postseason. I mean, it's, it's too much. I mean, it's too much running. It's too much hitting. It's um, or you're gonna start seeing a, a slack within the game. Yeah, you're gonna start seeing guys, um, I don't know, taking plays off. You're gonna start seeing guys not really going for the big hits. You're gonna see guys jogging on routes. It's 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 all it's gonna happen. So I mean, it, it, they keep extending the season. It's it's just a disaster waiting to happen. So are you how do you feel about so that's the NFL? But how do you feel about NBA when like I know you're an NBA fan as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about people like Kawhi? Some fuck is always resting. <laughs> do you think it's different than the NBA, or do you still feel the same way since it's a longer season than the NBA? I mean, I think it's I think the NBA needs to cut down their games. I mean, 82 games is way too many games. I mean, cause specifically when these guys are taking 10 to 15 games off. I mean, if if that's going to be the new norm, you might as well cut it down to 65 games or something like that. But I mean, I know you you know about finances and stuff like that. We had these talks in the past. Uh, so you don't think it's not cutting into the finances though? Then I'll cut back into the salary, and then it's like they're gonna complain that they're not getting paid as much. Oh, definitely cut into finances. I mean, if you're gonna cut down the season, you're definitely gonna have to rework salaries. Um, but if, if if guys are gonna start taking ten to fifteen games off, like why why are you paying them? You're basically paying them for not working. So yeah, it makes I mean, no sense. Um, I mean, the, the the players' association has to come to an agreement about what they want to do. Well, they came up. Did you see the new uh, CBA rules? Nah, where like you can only make. F- any all NBA team, yep, first, second, that. or third, that, yeah. you have to play a minimum of sixty-seven games. Guys, don't, the guys don't. The guys don't really. Some guys. I'm not gonna say all guys don't care about that, but as long as the guys guys are getting paid, they'll be like, it's whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll, I'll I'll sacrifice an all NBA team if I'm still getting my uh, twenty million a season. So twenty million, bro. That's yeah, like a yeah, that's yeah. like a six man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. fucking LeBron's gonna pay like thirty-two million a year, bro. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm a, Man, it's crazy how much these kids are now are making on social media. How much are they making money? <laughs> hey, man, you got to get your daughter in here. You got to make it open some gifts up. I was telling Elrey that. I'm like, bro, have Grace open toys up, bro. Man, I was, I was telling my wife, man, we better do something. Just have her sit in front of a camera. And bro, open with, toys. Play with baby toys and something get paid, man. <laughs> Yo, bring it by. Get the setup right it's, here. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I'll, take a, I'll take a producing fee. <laughs> I'll pay you. If I'm getting $20 million, man, I'll give you something. I'll break you up a little something. <laughs> Let's do it up, baby. Let's do it up. On the EG Pot of Thunder. Let's get it. So, um, yeah, man. So you know, we hit your, you know, uh, you you pretty much the entire journey. Love how you back on SD. So um, you know, college. So you know, at what point were you like, all right, you know, I guess NFL isn't for me. And then you start like focusing on your afterlife for college. Yeah, I think it was around my, uh, I don't know, probably going into my senior year. I was like, yeah, I really need to start figuring out what the hell I want to do. Was that like a like a hurtful like, to come to that like realization? You're like, damn, I'm not. No, no, I, I think I kind of came into grips. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is, man. I mean, it just it just doesn't seem like this is my path. So I was like, I was like, I was like, I, was like, I, I can do a lot of different things. So it was mine. I just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I, I ended up getting like a little entry level job with a, with a sales company. Um, started working with them a little bit, and then they put me in a rotational program. I kind of tried a lot of different things uh, within that within the consumer package goods industry and then I found a little niche that I was actually I, I enjoyed I liked and I kind of focused focused on my the last I don't know what it is uh, since I've been out of school 10 12 13 years ago. It's, it's been a while it's been a while but I just uh, kind of focused on that and that's kind of been my career to date I mean I've been f- mainly focusing on doing that for the 
X amount of time I've been working. So what's like your position right now? I don't even know this question. No, no, it's cool. So I, I'm a, I work in category management for Colgate Palmolive. Um, so I've been working with them for quite a little while now. Colgate Palmolive, like the toothpaste? Yep. So toothpaste, uh, the cleaning, the cleaning, all that laundry, all that good stuff. So I've been working for them for a little bit. So, but I'm, I specialize in oral care. So obviously toothpaste, mouthwash, um, uh, my manual toothbrush, power brush, all that good stuff. Oh, far. And, yep. and discount, baby. I always use them uh, toothbrushes. <laughs> Anytime, man. Anytime you need a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so when you said you're, you're going on like, a, you know, traveling for, you know, for work. So what are you doing when you're traveling? Yeah. So a lot of my meetings are with uh, meeting with specific customers. So uh, luckily one of my customers is CVS. So I'm actually right here in Rhode Island going to Woonsocket. But uh, obviously, I, I mean, I've met with some other customers, the Walmarts down in Arkansas. I've been down to Jersey, New York, uh, Minnesota uh, with Target. So I travel a little bit, but not not, not too bad. Maybe like once a month. Which is getting like product placement in their stores and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So product placement in the stores, talking to them about promotions, placement, all, all that good stuff. So all, 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 everything entails sales and analytics, all that good well, stuff. That's crazy. Did you ever envision yourself doing that when you were at NC State playing Absol- football? Absolutely not. <laughs> when I when I was at NC State, man, I annoyed most of the time when I was in college. I thought I was just going to be a college coach. I mean, for the longest time, I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to be a college coach. But then I was really seeing those the lifestyles those guys were living, and I was like, yeah, this that that is not for me. Bro, so. it seems like a grind. I had a you know coach McCormick on from yep. UMass Dartmouth, mm-hmm. and he's telling me the grind of the coaches, and it's like, bro, they don't sleep at all. It's like they're like it's like worse than the players. Yeah, man, they work. I mean, they work around the clock. And um, I mean, if, if they're not coaching, man, they're recruiting. So um, all that. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love the game of football, but seeing all that, I was like, yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> so that's kind of what I decided. I was like, yeah, I'm going to find something else that works for me. Yeah, I, mean, I always wonder why I'm like, you know, you would have you'd be a great college coach. You'd be a great high school coach. And I was like, why is it? Why is a monk doing it? That's, that's the reason in a nutshell right there. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't mind high school coaching. Is I just don't have the time. Um, it's funny because Stanley actually reached out to me when he first started break till. He was like, "Yo, I think this might be something you be you would like." And I was, I was like, "Man, I would love to. I just, I just don't have the time." So, I mean, TBD about um, not not break through, but no, 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 not break through, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, college coaching? No, nah, not college, high school. So, oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, when uh, I'm waiting on a certain guy to come back to Rhode Island um, to come back coaching. So when, whenever whenever he hops back in Rhode Island, I think a lot of folks know who I'm talking about. When he hops back in Rhode Island, that's that's when I'm gonna get back into coaching. My right, man, you can uh, you can break the news in the EG Pot of Thunder, baby. Yeah. So. And um, yeah, man. So uh, one question I like to ask people on the podcast. So um, if your biggest hater wrote a book about you, what would the title of it be? My biggest hater. Uh, I'm I'm sick of Jordan Monk not being cocky. <laughs> <laughs> calm guy right here. It's always the calm guy yeah, right my, here. My, it, it pisses my wife off too because um she'll be like yelling at me and I'm just like this 24 seven. Oh bro, I get those arguments too. Like I get <laughs> arguments for not getting its arguments. It's like the weirdest thing. Uh, but the uh, you know jumping off that the last girl I was talking to, she'd get mad that like, I wasn't getting into like like showing my emotions like i'm well i'm just why would i be mad why would I, i'm just a calm dude same thing as you yeah next time you have a talk with any, any of my uh former guys then it'd be like yo coach monk was like this 24 <laughs> 7 like no matter how he was coaching us he was like this all game type <laughs> unless they would really fuck up then i would really cuss them out but outside of that but like i'm just like this around the clock crazy story then what what made you flip out oh it was funny because um so uh we were we were playing LaSalle. this was in 20 20- what when we were number seniors 2014 so um yeah so uh it was like going into halftime i mean we were up but uh i told these guys i'm like listen we're not giving up any passing touchdowns like this whole game and uh uh lasalle threw a hail mary and it, it, it uh every all of our dbs completely missed the ball and then obviously the guy caught in the back of the end zone 
and I was ripping these kids at halftime. I was I was going in. I'm like, like you guys are embarrassing. Like this this is awful. Like and then like coach, it's like 27 to six. I'm like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and I was like I was like I was like I was like I swear to God they better not score another. Po-. And I, I, it was not even just that. I yelled at the whole defense. And I was like I was like I swear to God they better not score another point the rest of the game. And they sure as hell did it. We beat the hell out of them. <laughs> the second half. <laughs> that that was probably the only time in like my uh, whole coaching career I ever raised my voice. Yeah, bro, guys, Hendy, I never saw you lose your yeah. mind once yeah. ever. But I mean, they were also smacking teams. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. never. Yeah. But yeah, man, yeah. So a little whole journey got you for like an hour and change. Yep. Uh, it's been a minute since I've seen you. We need to catch up more. I know we're playing a one with SD when he comes yep. by for at least for her Southfield. So um, yeah, man, I'm glad you came through. You have any last words for for me? Nah, man, I really appreciate, it, man. I mean, uh, I mean, I love what you're doing, man. Getting folks on, hearing different journeys, talking a lot about what's going on within Rhode Island, man. I'm really proud of the work you've been doing, man. Keep it up. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. And always been my guy. Always been, always been solid since day one. So, uh, man, I might have to take one, one more shot with you before we have that right, off, man. All right, let's do it up. Let's do it up, man. And, uh, yeah, man. I like to do, um, you know, that was a little thing to me. I kind of start off the podcast saying it. I like to do uh, flowers for people that I've known for a while and, like, you know, good friends. Um, made Elroy cry in the podcast. <laughs> made a couple people cry in the podcast. But, um, man, yeah, man, like I said, like, um, you know, we've always been, uh, had that mutual respect for each other, man. Yeah. Like, since day one, I seen you as Saints. You always, like, brought me in and, um, like, you and SD helped, like, like, you know, mold me as Saints, helped me out with track. Always made track a fun time, man, because track fucking sucks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, me, Eugene, Nile, SD, always had those last, man, with Yangami's. Always a great time. Made track practice go by faster. I mean, I always appreciate the friendship we had together, man, like helping Brandon out in high school. I know he really uh, enjoyed your coaching. And, um, yeah, man, he, you know, he uh, attributes a lot of his uh, growth as DB to you. So, um, yeah, man, always glad, you know, stayed friends with you. Always, you know, catch up with each other you know, a couple times throughout the year. And uh, you said you live pretty close by, so you know yeah, we can uh, anytime, you know, watch some games together, man. And the podcast off with um, yeah, man. So I appreciate your friendship, man. Hope you continue to grow more. We gotta celebrate our birthdays more often, man. Absolutely. A day apart. Absolutely. So um, that and um, playoff predictions and uh, NBA. What are you thinking? So it's gonna be Celtics Lakers in the finals. Celtics, Celtics gonna be raising another banner this year. So hope y'all ready to watch that. Oh man, I am hundred percent ready <laughs> for that right there, baby. And um, I did not expect you to say Lakers, but I can see it, man. They're playing well right now. Their defense is uh, picking up. I originally had Celtics, Warriors, and honestly, I'm going to stick with that. Those motherfuckers pissed me off. I can see it. But the Warriors are catching fire right when they need to. Pissing me off. Pissing me off. So I'm going to stick with my predictions. I said it in February. That's NBA. We're far away. Drafts on Thursday. NFL predictions. What are you thinking? God, it's, it's Way like, early prediction, but you have to bet your money on it. All right, first pick is going to be Bryce Young, obviously, and then um, and then I think who, whoever has the second pick. I mean, uh, those quarterbacks are going to be off the board the fourth, but within the first five picks. So that's probably my biggest prediction. I don't really know anybody that's getting drafted this year. That how about if you had to bet Super Bowl early, oh, Super Bowl. early predictions? What are you thinking? I think um, we're going to see Kansas City again. Obviously, either Kansas City or Bengals are in the finals and in, 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 um, in the NFC. Um, 
that's that's a tough one. All right. You sound like a toss up. I guess you can roll with the Eagles. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna see the either the Eagles and the Niners. Probably one of those two are gonna come out. Um, nobody really in NFC really stands out to me that much. It's really the the AFC that's really a lot of juggernauts. Stacked, yeah, a lot of juggernauts. I'm gonna roll my team. I gotta do it, man. We're looking good. <laughs> Dolphins, baby. Dolphins. I respect, it. I respect Eagles. It. It's not like a crazy thing. No, no, looking not legit. A, not at all. Not anymore. It's not a crazy thing no more. I respect it. But uh, Jets, man, that was a power move right there. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, that was a power move. About time. I mean, they, they got the off. They got the players. They just didn't have a quarterback. So. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Um, yeah, man, that's that's my prediction right there. Uh, but Kansas City, uh, it's kind of tough to beat them, man. They're so good. They're like they're like the new age Patriots, man. You just need Andy Reid, you need Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. That's it. Mm-hmm. Surround them with whoever, mm-hmm. bro. I can go out there right now and do something. You probably should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's wild, man. So um, yeah, man, I appreciate having you on. I know you uh, got to get going, and uh, make sure you tap into my guy J A Monk. Is that your Instagram? I don't know. Sorry, stop. It's, it's, not, it's underneath him. It's yeah. underneath him. J.A. Monk. J.A. Monk 2 or something. I don't know. I don't really use social media like that. But, I mean, hit me up anytime. Especially young guys, man. If you get any questions anything, hit me up whenever. Um, I'm going to try I'm gonna try to get out there a little more. We'll break through. Try to help you guys out. Uh, uh, definitely, because I'm trying to get out there to support Stanley as much as I can. Because that's my guy, obviously. So, uh, yeah. Hit me up whenever. I mean, that's my Instagram. So, you know what it is. Yeah, man. And make sure you tap into me. Explore FF. All my uh, travel ventures, hitting a couple places more this year, hitting to Barcelona literally tomorrow, going to London next month, going to Dolphin Games throughout the season, got to support my guys, um, uh, got a whole bunch of different places, man. Yeah, man. If you want to tap into Miami, come with me. You travel a I'm, lot? Yes, I do. Let's go to a game. I'm, let's I'm let's go to the Miami Patriot game. I'm with it. Let me know. Bro, I'll get my season tickets this year, too, so I'm right in the lower level. All right. So let's do it up. You'll catch me and Monk at the Patriot game this offseason, well, this season coming up. So tap in, X4FF on all social media, EG Pot Thunder on all social media, YouTube, like, subscribe, send it to the moon, and get it, baby. (laughs) 